This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. We are live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. Of course, you know the drill on a Monday. We've got an Ask Me Anything coming up your way in the next hour of the show. I have not seen the questions. Todd, I trust we have some good ones in store. You better be ready. All right. I will be ready. Uh, The bottom of the hour, um, we are going to talk, and I can't wait for this conversation. Dr. Joseph Latipo is the Surgeon General of the Free Republic of Florida, and he has been on the front lines of calling BS on COVID stand from the beginning because before he was the Florida Surgeon General, he was literally one of America's frontline doctors. He is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. And if this doesn't end up on some mediaite or media matters hit list, I didn't do my job. Okay. Because we're going to lob, or at least he is, I'm guessing a Peter McCullough level of truth bombs at COVID stand coming up here at the bottom of the hour. And if we don't get there, it's just because I talk too much or the segment was too short. So I can't wait. But before we get to all of that, let us begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Can We Get the National Divorce Started Already? On the 21st anniversary of 9-11, the ghouls were out again. This was a foreign terrorist attacking our democracy, attacking this country. We're now, as a nation, battling a threat from within. Is the threat Mm. equal or greater than what we faced after 9-11? That's an interesting question. Um, Joe Biden also gave a speech on 9-11 in which he, again, invoked followers of Donald Trump as extremists. As many as 35 allies of Donald Trump had their homes raided over the weekend in supposed connection to something to do with January 6th. Kamala Harris says, I cannot wait to cast the deciding vote to break the filibuster on voting rights and reproductive rights. A few days ago, speaking at the National Baptist Convention in Houston, she was cheered after denouncing quote-unquote extremists working to outlaw baby killing. A woman should have the ability to make decisions about her own body and not have her government tell her what to do. Republicans in South Carolina's State House have effectively blocked legislation that would ban all baby killing in the state with a rape and incest exception. Republican State Senator Tom Davis says his decision to threaten the legislation via filibuster 
came after he discussed the matter with his daughters. Another Republican state senator, Sandy Sen, said during debate that the bill is an invasion of privacy, adding that, quote, the white males have lost. Boise, Idaho, has announced it's now celebrating two Pride Months there, both in June and September. A bar in Denton, Texas, canceled its so-called family-friendly drag queen brunch on Sunday after Blaze TV's Sarah Gonzalez called for the event to be shut down. And now things you can't make up. Ukrainian green shirt Vladimir Zelensky is set to headline a major U.S. defense industry conference in the coming days. Visa has announced it'll start categorizing gun purchases separately for anyone using their payment systems. The change will make it easier for authorities to track who purchases guns and when they did. Now for some good stuff. Ron DeSantis spoke at the National Conservatism Conference, and he raised some eyebrows in a good way with these comments on big business. The lesson for people on the right is I think there was a generation of people that kind of the muscle memory was just if it's private, just defer to it. Uh, if it's a corporate, let them do kind of what they want to do. Because, you know, look, we don't want to micromanage different things in the economy. I'm not a, I'm not a central planner. I certainly uh, don't, want to, uh, uh, don't want to be doing that. Uh, but corporatism is not the same as free enterprise. And I think too many Republicans... I think too many Republicans have viewed limited government to basically mean whatever is best for corporate America is how we want to do uh, the economy. And my view is, is you know, obviously free enterprise is the best economic system, uh, but that is a means to an end. It's means to having a good, fulfilling life and a prosperous society. It's not an end in and of itself. And we need to make sure that we have that firmly in mind. The United States is a nation that has an economy, not the other way around. And our economy should be geared towards helping our own people. This part of the montage is called How You Play the Game. What you're about to see is a 30-second TV spot, part of a $10 million ad buy in Maine, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Illinois, and it's set to air this week. Let's see what Gretchen Whitmer wants in your school. I can't wait to have your in my mouth. I'm going to give you the job of your life. Then I want you inside me. This is the kind of literature that Gretchen Whitmer wants your kids exposed to. Why does the governor want your kids exposed to this? And finally, if the movie Titanic was made in 2022. My God. Captain, the lifeboats are ready to go. Should we load the women and children first? No, men and children first. Excuse me, sir. It's 2022, Private. A woman can handle a sinking ship just as well as a man can. And if you don't think so, you're a misogynistic asshole stuck in 2008. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, for the time being, I'm requiring men and children only. Are you kidding me? It's 2022. This is what you wanted. You wanted to be treated equal to men? Well, this is how men are treated. No, we don't. We just say that half the time. We don't actually believe in it. Yeah, we do. Come on. We're just as capable as men are. Shut up! I identify as a man! Hey, 2022! Do you think I could come up on the door? It's 2022, Rose. I wouldn't want to imply that you can't handle the ice-cold water the same way a man could. I think I'm dying, Chuck. Oh, oh, oh. oh. I love 2022. And that's what happened while we were away. Yes. 
ridicule, mock, scorn the spirit of the age. More cowbell, Aaron's montage brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Friends, don't pass up this sale. Could be your only chance to save $250 off their three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. When the woman, Janet Yellen, running the Let's Go Brandon economy, goes on national television to say yesterday, the economy is great and not in a recession. Literally 48 hours after we found out, we lost an all-time one-quarter non-pandemic record in household net worth in America in the second quarter. Over $6 trillion of household net worth was lost in the last quarter. Maybe the most breathtaking American economic stat of my lifetime. And let's go Brandon's economic czar Janet Yellen is proclaiming, everything's great! Yeah, make sure you're prepared with a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. They're charging less right now so that they can help the most amount of Americans to escape the Let's Go Brandon economy as possible. Have the peace of mind of knowing that you have three months of emergency food. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, even drinks. For you and everyone in your household, you've got it should it go down with the food supply. I was reading this morning, we're heading towards a global rice shortage. Given that that's like the most consumed food overall in the world, is that bad? It would seem. It would seem it's probably at the very least not good. <laughs> Fair? Fair. It's probably at least not good. All right. So get one kit right now for each member of your family. Save $250 off and get free shipping when you go to preparewithdace.com. Again, that is preparewithdace.com. To the montage we go. And I want to begin with Ron DeSantis' comments. <clears throat> because I think this is again where there is a much needed paradigm shift that is occurring on the right. What is it that we are trying to conserve? What, what takes preeminence? And the reality is, as I pointed out on this show before, there actually has been a generational political transition paradigm shift in America. We usually have one about one a generation. So, you know, if you use the biblical definition of that, about once every 30, 40 years. And there's been a lot of talk that maybe we're overdue for one. We haven't had a major one uh, since the 70s and Roe v. Wade, where we saw Catholics really for the first time ever consider actually voting Republican uh, starting in 1980 and evangelicals really for the first time ever consider voting. Okay, so that happened in 1980. We actually had two in a generation. You had the mass migration of blacks from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party that took place in the early 1960s. And then in 1980 is when we created this entirely new coalition called the religious right, um, Christian conservatives, values voters, social conservatives. They've been called different names over the course of the last several decades, but it's the same exact coalition. And there's been a lot of talk since then. We're kind of overdue for a new one. No, we're not. We're right on schedule. We already had one. It just happened within the boardrooms of corporate America. The boardrooms of corporate America went from friendly to our culture war causes because the same people that wanted to degrade the culture were the same people that wanted to degrade their bottom lines. 
And so we had a political coalition, you know, in the Lee Iacocca era with corporate America. In the uh, in the early 2000s, Target actually was one of our biggest benefactors in the marriage fights across the country. It's so hard to believe. That is hard to believe. And literally within a decade, they became the first national big box chain to have uh, to allow men into the women's bathroom if they felt pretty. They were selling chest binders this yes. last yeah. June. So because when when it, when you let go of the rope, man, it goes fast. When you let go of the rope, it goes fast. Right, like the heretical Baptist admin, uh, uh, denomination that Kamala Harris was speaking to over the weekend, they let go of the of the of the rope scripturally. They let go of sola scriptura quite a while ago, and when you let go, you let it goes fast. And so now they just preach the doctrines of demons. That always happens. Things always degrade. The further away from the Word of God we get, the more degraded we become. Period. Especially when it comes to institutions founded on the Word of God, allegedly. But back to Target. Their evolution, I think, is a is a perfect arc for what's happened within corporate America. In the early in the 2000s, in the aughts, they helped fund our marriage amendment fights all over the country. In 2012, when we had a marriage amendment fight in Minnesota, they wanted no part of it whatsoever. They they feigned neutrality. Shortly thereafter, they were letting men into the women's bathrooms and and they're full in on the tranny agenda now. That's that, that is the exact arc that's happened in the majority of corporate America. From being friendly to willing to tolerate our causes because they were part of our political coalition to, well, I don't want to get, well, it used to be glitter bombed, protested. I don't want the Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton shakedown operation. And so for a long time, they would just cut these demonic movements and groups. They would just cut them checks basically to be left alone and, you know, we're a little slow when it comes to evolving here in Iowa. And so one of our big corporations, Hy-Vee, was still trying to play that game during the George Floyd f funerals a couple of years ago, putting giant BLM flags outside their stores as basically a way of begging, begging them to not be ransacked. Here, we've, we, put the, we, put the, we put the sheep's blood over the door. Pass over us, angel of death. Here's the BLM <laughs> sign. Right? I mean, that's literally what they yeah. were doing. Okay? Because if you know anything about Hy-Vee's corporate culture in Iowa, it's... Not like that at all, okay? Uh, traditionally, anyway. And so this was just clearly an attempt to to buy off the spirit of the age and to not, you know, ransacking its property. Now, though, what you're seeing is more and more is they are true believers now. So they went from helping us oppose it to being neutral to cutting checks just to make to to, pay, to hopefully buy them off and make them go away. To now they're evangelists, they're proselytizers. They believe in this. They're pushing it. It's who they are. They want this agenda. And that has been a major change. And, there, and, and I'll just tell you flat out why we've been slow on the right to acknowledge this. The reason we've been slow on the right to acknowledge this, there's actually two reasons. And one of them goes to the what happened in South Carolina with the baby uh, killing ban. There are a lot of people who call themselves Republicans that are absolute effing degenerates that just want to pay, they just want low taxes. They're low tax degenerates. Low tax degenerates. 
and they hold a lot of the offices in a place like South Carolina, from legislature to U.S. Senate. And that's why you're a fake red state. I mean, you're redder than, you know, a lot of other places, but you're not really a red state. You're not. Because there really aren't any red states, and the closest thing to them is Florida. Well, Steve, if you, you say that, then why do you tell us to leave California? Because if you did leave California, South Carolina might be a red state. We might have one. If six million of you did not stay in California and flush your citizenships down the drain. South Carolina, South, South Carolina then might be a red state. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of a DeSantis. See, Greg Abbott lets you leave California and move to Texas because you can get your low-tax degeneracy. The rhino governor in Idaho, you can leave California and move to Idaho and get your low-tax degeneracy. Oh, we're going to have now two Pride Months a year. We're going to do two of them, but I'm going to pay less in taxes. Cool, I'm sold, I'm in. You don't get to move to a state with Ron DeSantis in charge and get your low-tax degeneracy. That ain't happening. So a lot of the people that are leaving, that are moving to Florida aren't leaving to get, and, and moving there to get low-tax degeneracy. They're moving to Florida to get the hell away from the degeneracy. That's why they're going there. And who is promoting the degeneracy more than anyone else? Pop culture and corporate America. So the first reason that a lot of Republicans are slow to accept this paradigm shift is they're in on it. They're part of the scam. They are human Trojan horses. They're low-tax degenerates. Here's the other reason. <sighs> Folks, I got to tell you, those entities that promote low-tax degeneracy, I got to be honest, man. Because I've had conversations with a few of them over the years. And I know other people who have, and then took the Faustian bargain. They pay you well. It pays. Or at least it used to anyway. They don't have the influence they once did, but it paid to be down with the Koch brothers. Let's get rid of capital punishment. Let's show we're not racist by emptying the prisons even more than Democrats will. Do you know how much money, it, how much gold is in them hills? A lot. A lot more than passing out voting, uh, uh, candidate voting scorecards for the Faith and Freedom Coalition. I can promise you that. Hell of a lot more. That's, and, and if you want to know who I'm talking about, go back and look at the nomination of Neil Gorsuch when Trump nominated him. And, and, and hey, let me say that other than the tranny ruling, Gorsuch has actually been a, he's been the best of Trump's Supreme Court nominees. In fact, I think it's not even close, actually. Okay? Not even close. But if you want to know who I'm talking about, go back to 2017 when Gorsuch was nominated to succeed Scalia and just go make a mental note of who 
fond over Gorsuch's thoughts on the Chevron doctrine. And who asked questions about how did we nominate someone to replace Scalia who literally has no pro-life judicial record at all. And I promise you the Chevron doctrine stuff, it's going to be way outnumbered those who ask the other question. Because there's a lot of money to be made. And the problem that those people have, you might know them as grifters, the problem that those people, or maybe they're not grifters, they might just be honest technocrats, which in that case means they are grist for the spirit of the age mill, or mill. They'll be the first ones that get run over here when hell shows up. But the problem they have are having right now is that the culture is becoming so degraded and is becoming so obviously interested in grooming and poisoning the children that, that they don't have any fig leaves left to, to cover anymore. You know what I'm like? They, they have no means of pivoting to their technocratic economic stuff, which really won't help you at all. It'll just help the corporations that are and the corporatist elements that are underwriting their existence. But they don't have a means of pivoting to it because the culture is so degraded. And who's doing a lot of the degrading? Corporate America is. They're promoting it. And what DeSantis is saying is, if you are a publicly traded company, meaning the American citizen and the American taxpayer put up the freight for the system that allows you to maximize beyond probably your current worth. But now you get to sell stock and you get to maximize your cap. You get to monetize what we perceive to be as your earnings cap, your revenue cap, as opposed to what it actually is worth just in and of itself. Or you want to take public graft, public benefits, tax shelters, tax incentives. And then you want to turn around after, after the American public has been so preemptively good to you and you want to repay it by spreading this degeneracy in the culture and particularly the degrading of their children? No, you don't get to do that. You are no longer deserving of public gratis, but public scorn. You are no longer deserving of public favor, but a public reckoning. Because as he put it, we are a nation with an economy, not an economy with a nation. Where someone stands on this more than anything else on the right will demonstrate to you if they know what time it is. If they are worthy of the time that you don't have, you're busy, 
If they are worthy of the time you already don't have to listen to them, to watch them, to read their stuff, to buy their, to, to buy the wares that they're peddling. This is the ultimate litmus test right now of do you know what time it is? Because if you don't even understand the enemy coalition you're up against, you're of no value at all to our enemies. Or you're only of value, I should say, to our enemies. You're of no value at all to us. At worst, you're an unintended collaborator. At best, you're like these social, these low-tax degenerates in the South Carolina state legislature. You're in on it. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, that is, and you know I love that because it's a conversation that has to be had within the lens of subsidiarity. And I reminded you about it fairly recently. I don't remember the context, but a while back when we had Eric Bowling on the show, a, a, a good guy. And, and when you talk about an unintentional collaborator there, Steve, I think he was one of them. He, when, you tr- when you talked about of the, uh, the notion of just unfettered tax incentives to businesses who then turn around and shank you in the communities they come in, basically for, you know, like 50 jobs or something like that. You could, it wouldn't, it was like the conversations you described with Jehovah's Witnesses. It mm-hmm. would not compute with him. And that's exactly what Steve is talking about. An entire generation has been raised with bumper sticker sloganeering that they need to be deprogrammed of because DeSantis is absolutely right. The means to an end, this economic uh, largesse, the, the, it is not an end in and of itself. It is a deadly sin in and of itself. It becomes an idol, one of the largest of its kind. But if you steer it in the direction of the good, true, and the beautiful, then behold, a shining city on a hill. That's, I mean, that's the chasm between if either you are on the right side of the good, true, and the beautiful on this, or it is bad a system of moving forward as anything else. This is Churchill. Democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the rest of them. The same applies to capitalism. What are your bottom lines? What are your bottom lines in this? And right now, ours is very, very far away from what it should be. Very well said, Todd. And this gets down to something, a pretty quick litmus test for somebody as to whether or not they're actually, they, they know what time it is, is whether they think, whether they think that there's still neutral ground mm-hmm. on any level yep. in mm-hmm. this culture. Mm-hmm. Because the argument that we always get, it's the same one about the convention of states. Oh, that could go off the rails really quickly. Oh, you start targeting biz, big business. Well, what if the left does that to you? As opposed to what? what As opposed doing. to what? They're doing yeah. that right now. Yeah. So that's a litmus test for anybody, anybody Do you know what time it is? Do you think that there's any neutral ground? Because I got news for you, buddy. There ain't. There isn't. It's either good prevails or good does not. Do you really think there is a good? Because I know one guy in Florida who actually does, and he's fighting for it. So that's that's a real quick litmus test. Do you know what time it is? Do you think that there's neutral ground? And if you do, you don't know what time it is. And as you said, Steve, you're just grist for the mill. I mean, a few years ago, this was why I opposed this sort of zero-sum game. This is why I pushed back against it, because I knew what we were what we were asserting is that there is no more neutral ground. And if there is no more neutral ground, then this only ends one way or with one outcome. It, it, 
there's lots of ways to get to that outcome. But it only ends with one outcome, a zero-sum game. It's a worldview steel cage match. Two enter, only one's walking out. But I had to admit to myself, and I think for me, we all have our moments when we have to finally come to grips with the truth we don't want to be true. Ironically, it was Brett Kavanaugh, who overall has been a disappointment of a justice, and I told you beforehand would be. But that was sort of my breaking point. That if they are now going to do this and behave in this way, against a judge, against at best a C plus judge, at best, who in his first year pre Dobbs actually sided with the liberal wing of the court over 80% of the time. If they're going to do that to Brett Kavanaugh now, if we're going to go mob outside Lot's house to Brett Kavanaugh, because, man, I'm a lot more of a threat than Brett Kavanaugh, and so are most of you, then it was clear now. And, like, it's not even a well-orchestrated one. Like, I'll give him credit for what they did to Roy Moore. That was far better orchestrated. That turned out to be a lie and a scam, too, but that was far better orchestrated. This was just the woman couldn't even acknowledge that she knew him, that they had ever made any introductions at all. And then they followed up with the Julie Swetniks and stuff of the world. That's when it became very clear to me now. <clears throat> and then the Mueller report that the entire Russian collusion narrative was every bit as made up as people like Dan Bongino saw from the very beginning that it was. That was my breaking point of, all right, I got to acknowledge reality or I'm a part of the problem. There isn't any more neutral ground anymore. And as Aaron aptly put it, those who don't want to admit this are either in on the scam or they themselves or they're scamming themselves because they don't want to admit there isn't any more neutral ground anymore. Someone who knew this right from the jump will join us next. Dr. Joseph Latipo he is the Surgeon General of the Free Republic of Florida. He will join us next. The most wonderful time of the year is here, which if you follow this show, you know we're talking about this entire season, football leading up to Christmas season. That means we're also, by the way, with uh, football season here, we're in peak tailgate season. So it is still time for you to get a peak premium cooler from our friends over at Tyga Coolers, all American made, lifetime guaranteed, phenomenal coolers. They can detail it for you, customize it for you. For example, you follow your kid around to all their football games this fall on a Friday night. Want to put your kid on your cooler? Or the, you can do all that stuff. Anything that doesn't violate a copyright or obviously isn't like gross, they will do that for you with our friends at Tyga Coolers. And they'll do it for you 10% off when you use my first name, Steve, as your promo code when you go to tygacoolers.com. That is T-A-I-G-A for tygacoolers.com. They are a part of our audience here. They listen, watch every day. They share your values, and uh, they want to help you take 
one of these with you wherever you go for 10% off with the promo code Steve at tigacoolers.com. T A I G A for tigacoolers.com. Name of the book Transcend Fear, a blueprint for mindful leadership and public health. The author, the Surgeon General of the Free Republic of Florida, Dr. Joseph Latipo joins us here on Blaze TV. Dr. Latipo, it is an honor to have you with us. My name is Steve Dace. How are you? Hey, doing, doing pretty good, Steve. Thanks for having me on. You have been a contrarian here, uh, really from the dawn of what I call COVID stan about 29 months ago. First with America's frontline doctors and now as the Surgeon General for the Free Republic of Florida. When I got into this business, brother, I, I, I just, you know, I, I thought I was going to fight a culture war, you know, debate sound, uh, capitalistic economic policy. I didn't know a T-cell from a T-bone, okay? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I, I mean, I had to do an incredible amount of research from uh, March 16th on. That was the day the Imperial College survey was released that shut down the world. And so I had to do a crash course in a lot of this stuff from the very beginning. And, but, but how come you, from the beginning, were part of a rare group that saw through what was happening here? And, and what is happening here? Well, that's a pretty loaded question, the first, even just the first half of it. But the, I mean, the simple answer is that it really wasn't anything particularly special for someone who has gone to medical school and has training and research. I mean, it was, it was, um, it was, you know, pretty obvious that it would be impossible to you know, stop the spread of this respiratory virus when it was already spreading around the country and the world. And, you know, I guess the additional thing that helped is that I, I've had an appreciation for freedom. I've had a longstanding appreciation for freedom and liberty and sort of thinking about benefits and costs. So it was, it was very obvious that the proposals, the policies, these shutdown and lockdown policies were going to be profoundly costly. And, you know, we've only seen like a fraction of it. I mean, we've really recently we've seen some of these studies come out related to learning losses. I don't know. I think it's been 20 years of learning losses or something, the equivalent equivalent of that for fourth graders. But this is I mean, this is just we are just scraping the surface of the harms that these lockdown policies have had. So I think, I mean, I was willing to be honest and kind of look at things from a position of being unbiased in terms of interpreting data and realism, pardon me, just about, you know, what we could and couldn't realistically achieve. In this, uh, we're beyond political polarization in my view, doctor, I think we're at balkanization. So if how in a balkanized America does Ron DeSantis's Surgeon General write a book that a Kennedy writes the forward to? How does how does that happen? <laughs> you know, that that is a good question. And I think that just there's been I personally have really had just a major a major shift in my thinking that's come from an increased appreciation of some of the forces that are driving health policy and medical policy. So, you know, I had no idea how truly corrupt 
vaccine policy was in terms of the relationship between vaccine science and the policies that that uh, the government officials were sort of making almost on behalf of the drug companies. I mean, it's really profound. And I think, you know, I sort of had a, a I don't know, kind of an accelerated appreciation of that. And other people have appreciated that phenomenon for a long time. And I think more Americans just in general are appreciating that, you know, people are asking questions. Why do I need to get another shot? Why are you saying my kids need to get this shot when, you know, you don't, you haven't demonstrated that the kids are actually benefiting? Why are you asking them to get another shot? The first one, you didn't show that they benefited from the first one. So why are we doing another one? So it, it really, I mean, you, you have to wonder who was setting COVID-19 policy in this country in terms of these vaccines. Is it Pfizer and Moderna, you know, or is it, are, is it actually kind of, poli you know, U.S. politicians with guidance from scientists? I mean, it sure looks like Pfizer and Moderna to me, and I think that's true for a lot of Americans. What didn't they lie to us about over the last 29 months? <laughs> what did they lie? Uh, that's that's a good question. I, I don't know that I can think of, I can't think of a single thing uh, that they that they didn't lie to us about. Hmm. I mean, let's, let's go through the checklist. The masks, you know, the masks on the kids, um, the, uh, the vaccine mandates, right? That they would stop the pandemic. Um, the yeah the the school closures being something important to do the two masks the three masks the four masks the second booster the third booster the fourth booster i i struggle to think of a single thing steve do you think we saved any lives at all with these original with the original lockdowns was there any net benefit to them at all it's it you know it's it's um it is i think it's one of the most profound things about really one of the most disastrous things about this pandemic is that, you know, you, you can't help but feel that we probably would have ended up about the same if the if our political leaders had done absolutely nothing. And, you know, so that's I mean, that's obviously a kind of a, an impression that I have. Now, in terms of the science, there have actually been scientific studies published on this. And, you know, again, thinking about some of the things that um, that changed for me has been the appreciation of corruption in the media. So there was a great study published by the in the by the National Bureau of Economic Research, very good researchers, economists, who looked actually tried to answer that question, did the lockdown save lives? And what they found, Steve, that you didn't hear about, even though these are, you know, these are PhD researchers, like great researchers, mm -hmm. they found that the lockdowns instead of saving lives overall, they reduced overall, they reduced COVID-19 deaths, but they actually were associated with increases in overall deaths after their implementation. So no net benefit then? It's like what, it's like what CDC is claiming, let's assume they're not lying when they say there's like a 14,000 greater risk of dying with COVID for those over 50 who are unjabbed. Let's assume they're not lying, which of course in and of itself is an assumption. There's no there's no risk assessment there. First of all, the rate of death for Omicron is even more scant than it was for Delta and the original variant. And then it doesn't account for the risk overall risk ratio of the risk you're accruing when you accept these jabs into your body, meaning that there's not, that even that stat, if it's true, doctor, 
doesn't actually provide the real risk benefit ratio that you as a physician are morally and legally obligated to present to a patient in order for them to determine whether to pursue a course of treatment. Even if it's true, it's still a lie. Steve, it's actually even worse than that. You mentioned how you, you know, you took your crash course, right? T cells, you know, B cells, antibodies, um, you know, other cor cor coronaviruses, other rhinoviruses, other types of other issues related to, you know, to vaccines and respiratory vaccines and transmission. So it's actually even worse, Steve. So you're seeing things that like, you know, don't make sense. But it's, it's actually much worse than that, Steve. So even these studies that the CDC does, what they don't acknowledge is that, you know, you go to a country like Sweden or Norway, where you keep track of, you know, for better or worse, you keep track of every individual who's born in that country. So you know everyone who is in that country, right? And you do your study and you can figure out what are differences in risks associated with vaccination, second you know, second shot, booster, whatever. So you can do that in that study in, in those countries. You come to the United States, we don't keep track of everyone. So while we know who's vaccinated, you actually don't know who's unvaccinated because we don't know who those people are. So even those studies that you're talking about, they're based on estimates of the unvaccinated population. So they're, they're inherently vulnerable to bias from errors in the estimates of the size of that population. And depending on the size of that population, you can come up with many different estimates of what, you know, how many gazillion times more likely you are to be hospitalized or whatever. I mean, that's I mean that that's the kind of thing that um, it's sort of subtle, but the scientists are aware of that, and they're not they're 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 basically not disclosing things like that. So it's it's actually it's terrible. I mean, it, it's so profoundly corrupt. It's it's uh, it's I mean, it's really been just mind-boggling for me as a scientist. What's the benign, innocent explanation for all of the deception and gaslighting we've seen the last 29 months? And is, and is, is it so nihilistic, doctor, that greed, craven greed, is actually the most benign, innocent explanation that we can come up with? That we were willing to kill, allow to die, experiment upon untold scores of millions of people. I mean, Anthony Fauci saying last week, we didn't have time to do human trials for the boosters, so we just tested them on eight mice, okay? D just as an example. Um, the study that came out last week that showed a, with, with proper dosage with early prophylaxis, ivermectin led to a 92% decline in COVID casualty. On and on and on and on it goes. Is, it, 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 is how nihilistic is it that we're actually hoping this was all done for greed? Is it, it's just, it's so terrible to think that like, that's literally the best case scenario mm -hmm. that was done for greed. And, you know, the Pfizer, Moderna, the pharmaceutical industry, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? That's like their MO. They've been doing that for decades. Like, that's their game. You know, we, that's what they do. Greed is the name of the game. You know, you look at past things they've done, like, hiding data about Vioxx and how it increased, it caused people to have heart attacks, 
you know, other drugs that they've su they've suppressed data for or not published unfavorable data, but published favorable data. Like that's their MO. That's what they do. They don't know anything else. What is less forgivable are the health officials because, you know, unless they're on Pfizer or Merck or Moderna's payroll, they are doing, you know, essentially evil work for, um, you know, without, I don't know, without any, you know, with some motivation that is is probably worse than greed. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's um, I, I wish, I wish it were just, in some ways I wish it were just greed because it would be easier to understand. But it is, you know, it's, I think it's, it's, it's worse than greed. I mean, not even I think, it is worse than greed. When you are a scientist and you have proper training and you know that what you're saying not only is not true, like these craziness with the kids and like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, the kids should get these, you know, COVID-19 vaccines, even though we're still learning more about risks associated with these vaccines. You know, so when you do that, it's, um, you, you really need a new word to describe just how depraved that kind of thing is. I've got about 90 seconds here, and it's a big question. Let's go back to March 15th, the day before lockdowns began, March 15, 2020. You are the U.S. Surgeon General. You get a one-on-one -on -one audience with President Trump. What do you tell him? Well, you know, I, it's funny because I actually had the privilege of meeting him with Dr. Scott Atlas, I don't know, maybe six months after that. Mm -hmm. And I would have told him about the same thing, which is, you know, which is just, you know, many of the same things we're saying now, right? Like, you need to keep the schools open, right? You're clearly causing more harm than, than good with school closures. You know, the masks, people are going crazy over them. Neighbors are fighting neighbors. They are doing basically nothing except causing divisiveness and harms. And, you know, protect the vulnerable. We need to do the best we can in terms of testing and, and other, you know, and, and hey, let's do more clinical trials of treatment instead of trying to, you know, clamp everyone in a mask and telling them that somehow that's gonna save their lives. Um, yeah, I would have told them things like that. I mean, I, I, I I certainly wish we could go back. There's been just tremendous harm. And as I said, I don't think we're done with it because I think we're going to continue unfavorable news about the safety of these mRNA vaccines. But um, yeah, it's it's really, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a trying time for history. And I think um, there are people who want us to forget that they made a lot of bad, harmful decisions and not inquire about things like safety in a deliberate way. But, you know, we're not gonna do that in Florida. And I know there are other researchers around this country and around the world who are pretty dead set on, you know, really getting to the bottom of these questions. Quickly, bonus question. One word description of Anthony Fauci. <laughs> um, creepy. That's what I'm going to go with. Name of the book, Transcend Fear, a blueprint for mindful leadership in public health. He is the Surgeon General of the Free Republic of Florida. He is the author of the book, Dr. Joseph Latipo. You guys have done literally culture-saving work in that state over the last 
year plus, and you've been a big part of it, doctor. Thank you very much. Thanks. And thanks to Governor DeSantis. <laughs> Amen. For giving you the chance. You bet. You bet. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks. thanks. Quick thought on that conversation. You know, him with Pushaw, the communications director for DeSantis, you can tell he's not just looking for uh, somebody who fits a certain uh, uh, stereotype of who's supposed to fill the role. He finds a person. They all have the same affect. It's really refreshing how he leads on that front. It'll be your turn to ask me anything when we come back. Greetings, back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He is Aaron McIntyre. He is Totters. And let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and over on Getter. And if you are a follower of mine right now on Trump's Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace, there is a study out in the New England Journal of Medicine which shows that the COVID mRNA jab gene therapy actually alters and diminishes the immune system of those who take it. That study is linked right now on my Truth Social page if you want to go and get it there. At Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. At Real Steve Dace is where you're going to find that. Should be the very top thing on the on my page over there. At Real Steve Dace at Truth Social. So there you go. That's in their own. How catastrophically bad did it have to get for their own journals to now be admitting this stuff? Ask yourself that question. Understand whatever they're admitting is the tip of the iceberg to what's actually going on. At Real Steve Dace on Truth Social, if you want to go get that study from the New England Journal of Medicine right now and hopefully use it to stop them from poisoning anybody else, beginning with yourselves. You can also find clips of the show that are free of any censorship and free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you. Please, we ask, show your appreciation for us. Leave us a five-star review. If you like us, of course, hit subscribe and follow. Thanks to all of you that have done that for us. You have helped us to make a successful alm to the algorithmic gods. Thank you for all of those. Not to mention you have assuaded our fragile male egos, which might be even more important to you. Please uh, consider leaving us a five-star review if you've yet to do that as well. When you do, if you've got a question that you'd like to have considered in the next Ask Me Anything, embed it into your five-star review and you will go to the front of the line for consideration from Todd. Before we get to Ask Me Anything, it is brought to you by this program. In fact, we have decided to extend... Last week's biggest discount we've ever offered on a Blaze TV subscription. So if you want to make sure, I mean, already you see me posting life-saving data on websites that not a lot of you have access to compared to, say, Facebook. It's just a matter of time before they're going to say, yeah, we don't, we don't want to carry you at all. We don't, 
we don't, we don't, that's, I mean, that, that's why we made the switch to Patriot Mobile in our family. That was the last straw for us is when T-Mobile said, we're going to start censoring text messages on COVID. That's when we were like, all right, we're out. So the day may come sooner than you might expect when you go to your RSS feed and we're not there. Make sure you're prepared. Use the code DACE20 right now. Get 20% off a Blaze TV subscription so you get it directly from us where it can't be censored away from you. BlazeTV.com slash DACE is where you go. Use the promo code DACE20 to get 20% off, or $20 off, I should say, $20 off your annual subscription to Blaze TV. That's our biggest discount ever. $20 off at, at with the discount code DACE20 at blazetv.com, discount code DACE20. All right, let's get to the Ask Me Anything. You know the drill. I have not seen any of these questions. Todd, you have selected them from five-star reviews on our um, podcast pages and also from Facebook submissions. Correct. All right, so Todd has selected these. Aaron, you may fire when ready. We'll begin with three five-star review questions. This is from white suburban middle-aged woman who says... Have you listened to and formed an opinion of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill? That's a podcast. I'm praying for you all because it made me wonder if a Christian is capable of running at the speed and danger necessary to fight at a high-profile uh, level. Five-minute devotions will not cut it. So I believe this is a Christianity Today profile of Correct. Mark Driscoll. Correct. All right. Number one, I wouldn't read anything Christianity Today publishes. Nothing. Straight up. I trust the Quran first, and that's not even a joke. That's not even tongue-in-cheek. I at least know where Muhammad is coming from. My wife made me cancel my Christianity Today subscription about 10 years ago because it was giving me ulcers. Whatever that was founded many, many decades ago by Billy Graham to be, it is nowhere, it is, it is a shadow of that I, I I wouldn't think about the fact is this the first time that Christianity Today as a publication has been mentioned on this show in since quite you've a worked, while since you've worked here Aaron can you think of another time I'm sure we have never positively yeah that what does that tell you I mean name name an overt evangelical that more more advances and features a biblical worldview with a explicitly not like you know you can tell where they're coming from like explicit citations that has a bigger platform than i do there's not going to be very many fair right and christianity today like never gets brought up on this show so what does that tell you now that being said mark driscoll left that church for a reason resigned from it for a reason admitted mistakes for a reason um, I'll say this. I, I've, I interviewed Mark Driscoll one time before you guys came to work here. Never met the dude. I don't know anybody that knows him. I will say this. Generational level of giftedness and talent when it comes to preaching. I'm talking Spurgeon kind of stuff. 
I mean, I just, it's, it's, his, his level of God-given talent is, is, is next level combined with the fearlessness demonstrated from the pulpit. That's not an endorsement of him as an individual. I wouldn't encourage you to endorse me as an individual. I would not belong to a church that would let me be an elder. I'm not morally qualified to be one, temperamentally qualified to be one, which is also another way of saying I'm not morally and temperamentally qualified to be a pastor. That's why I'm here as a provocateur. And without knowing Mark at all, could very well be that his, he's applied his giftedness in the wrong calling, meaning that he could he could he can say and do everything he wants to say and do, without the added expectations of empathy and patience that goes along with being a pastor. You know what I'm saying? Yep. By being a professional provocateur, I'm not here to say that he's a terrible pastor. I don't know. I've never been under his pastoral leadership. I just know that I don't. I don't think Christianity Today is worth the paper it's printed on. Wouldn't wipe my rear end with it. And Mark Driscoll is not the pastor at Mars Hill in Seattle and is pastor at a church in Scottsdale, Arizona. Not by choice, right? It wasn't like he, he just decided, you know, we're going to retire to Arizona. He had to resign from that church and he admitted mistakes, so he did some things wrong. But I, you know, and, and it could be that one of the reasons, maybe one of the reasons why in the past I've enjoyed listening to him so much is I like me some me and it's very, it reminds me a lot of myself. <laughs> All right. So keep that in mind, but it could be that, you know, maybe his issue is he's better off as a provocateur in a prophetic role than specifically with the kind of patience and empathy that's demanded of a pastor. I don't know. That's the best answer I can give your question. But if you, if you, if you want to hear what next level giftedness and fearlessness sounds like, going through the scriptures. I, I, I've never heard anybody in our, in our time from an American pulpit. That's a better example of it when he's on. Next, another five-star question. Eric666999 says, nice name, I guess. Uh, we have no physical proof that our representatives have taken the jab. Might I suggest they all be submitted to a blood test? Uh, I think... At this point, there were multiple questions like this. I, at this point, I don't think you should take anything off the table. I just asked the Surgeon General of Florida, the third largest state in this union. Over 21 million people live there. He is its lead public health official. I just asked him, what did not, what didn't they lie about? over the last 29 months and he laughed and couldn't come up with a single thing. So I don't think you should take anything off the table at all. I wouldn't even take off the table that they gave themselves the really good stuff and Soylent Green as people for the rest of y'all. I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take anything off the table. Nothing, literally nothing. And I'm telling you, remember when I predicted on Friday that by this time next year, we will have confirmation that this was a bioweapon, the original strain. There is a study in the hopper right now that's about to be published. I think I shared it with you guys. Mm -hmm. And what it says, well, you know what? Let me do this. In December, 
Daniel had a convert. Daniel Horowitz had a conversation with a little, a mutual little birdie of ours that he passed on to me. Someone whose knowledge of virology, vaccinology, I'd put up against almost anybody probably on planet Earth. And I won't mention the name. After he studied Omicron, here was his conclusion. His conclusion was that Omicron was man-made, was not a natural variant of COVID, and was released by some form of whistleblower, guardian angel, resistor, within the biomedical fascist complex. And it was released purposefully within a country like South Africa with very little influence from that biomedical fascist complex. Specifically to stop what they were doing with the variants getting worse. Remember how Delta was worse than the original variant? And that's not how vaccine, that's not, I'm sorry, that's not how viruses work. They don't mutate up. They mutate down. At least that's not how natural viruses work. They don't typically go from pandemic to catastrophic, but to endemic. And his conclusion was that someone had released Omicron with the purpose of creating what amounted to a natural vaccine to stop what they were doing with the COVID bioweapon. Now, for obvious reasons, when we had these conversations in December, I did not talk about this stuff on the air because it would sound nuts and I'm not qualified to make these kinds of assessments. Steve, why won't you just accept that God gave us two arms for a reason? And and remember what Bill Gates said a few minutes, a friend of mine reminded me of this over the weekend. Remember what Bill Gates said a few months in Omicron? Well, it seems to be operating like a vaccine. Remember when Bill yes. Gates said that? Wink. Wink. Yeah. He recognizes it. Game recognized game. He, he knew what happened here. Someone had someone cut him off at the pass before he could get out his precious Novavax to poison another group of people with. They put out a, a different kind of vaccine. Well, why do I bring that up to you now? Now, we privately had those conversations back in December. I shared that with you guys at the time privately, but we didn't talk about this on the air, right? Why do I bring that up to you now? Because there is a study that I retweeted over the weekend. If you go to my Twitter account, at Steve Day Show. It's in the hopper right now. It's already been approved for peer review. I'm sorry, approved by peer review. Wrong preposition. So it's already peer review approved. And its conclusion is that Omicron is not a natural variant of COVID-19. That's its conclusion. Exactly what this little birdie of Daniels and I told us he saw when he studied Omicron back in December. League of Shadows is real, man. Yeah, so you bet your ass put everything on the table. I'm talking Book of Revelation stuff. Put it all on the table. Dismiss nothing. Next. Farmstock31 says, I have a master's in fine arts and acting, graduated in 2015. The trans agenda was being cultivated at least as early as 2012 in theater schools. 
The people graduating from these programs are driving entertainment and media across the board. Thoughts? This is interesting, obviously, because of your perspective with your own daughter. I mean, you oh. you have a unique background growing up as a uh, in theater, but also some. I mean, I know you took her to some advanced college, something in Florida. I remember. So you have a scope beyond just guessing at this. So she was part of um, um, AMTC, I think, is what it was called, um, and it's. I can't remember what the entire acronym was a part of, but it's a, it was a Christian talent organization right. to try to find Christians that were talented enough to work in mainstream pop culture and uh, hone their skills and talents and advance them into those places. And she took another path with her life. But I mean, Anna, who works at the Family Leader here now and works for me too, uh, Anna finished second in the 12 and under singing competition 10 years ago, like in the entire competition. We actually did a call. I don't think I've ever said this on the air, but we did a call shortly thereafter with Atlantic Records about her. But we also know what happens to young, more often than not, young childhood entertainers. So we intended that to be more of a contact that she would make now and then years later as an adult, if she wanted to go down that road, she could then make that decision on her own. We were never going to give them our... 13, 14, and 15-year-old kid. Because how many of stories have we seen going back to the very beginning of pop culture, what's happened to a lot of childhood stars, right? But, yeah, I mean, this we saw this even in the Des Moines theater community. So if you saw this in the Des Moines, Iowa theater community, what were you seeing everywhere else? So, Yeah. I don't disagree. I would argue that from the beginning of the of the so-called gay marriage movement, they were doing this. Because as I pointed out from the very beginning of the marriage to the marriage wars, what they were really arguing for was the eradication of gender. That you don't really have a penis, she doesn't really have a vagina. They weren't meant to be fitted together. The plumbing does it the plumbing matches purely by coincidence and happenstance. There is no purpose to that whatsoever. The, the, the complementarian views of your basic giftedness and thought processes and, um, and abilities, again, no purpose to those things at all, just completely happenstance. That's really what they were eradicating. They, they were really arguing for the eradication of gender. If you go back to 2013, when Phil Robertson they tried to cancel him for saying that it's simply the birds and the bees for men to be naturally attracted to women and women to be naturally attracted to men. What they were arguing for there then also was the eradication of gender. That's the argument. And that's why what's interesting is just like we have seen with COVID, where during COVID stand, you had people like Bill Maher sounding a lot like me, even though we are starting from dramatically different premises. But he also was like, I'm a true, I'm a true Marquis de Sade hedonist. I'm a true hedonist. I don't believe in any of these institutions. And I recognize BS when I see it. That's what J.K. Rowling was saying about the, the trans stuff. Hey, what was the, what was the point of me retconning um, Dumbledore? 
into being a homosexual if there's no gender. Then it's then there aren't any homosexuals. And what do we do any of these arguments for? None of it matters. She's exactly correct about that. But what she's incorrect about, just like what Mar is incorrect about, Mar's not does not recognize BS wherever he sees it. Because he doesn't recognize his own. Similarly, Rowling doesn't recognize a fallacy when she sees it because she bought into one by believing that this was really about promoting equality for people with different sexual attractions and preferences and that it was never about a complete nihilistic deconstruction of norms, objective truth and rationales from the very beginning, which it was. We move on to Facebook submissions. We begin with this one. It might be kind of, I know it's Ask Dace anything, but it might be kind of fun if uh, all of us answered this. Heidi Weissenbacher Kruger says, You have the choice for truth, entire revelation, exposure, and full justice to be fulfilled completely for one or for only one of these diabolic demonic exploits. Number one, Wu flu and COVID stand. Number two, 2020 election. Number three, January 6th, FBI, Department of Justice. Number four, Ukrainian uh, corruption, U.S. politicians. Number five, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, China corruption. Number six, Clinton corruption machine. Number seven, Epstein pit of hell. Which do you pick, Steve? This is an incredible question. I knew you'd like it. It's an incredible question. I, I am debating with myself between number one and number seven. And here's why. Because the answer, the full truth to one of those two would get you to the truth of virtually yep. everything else on this list. Yep. And I don't believe that the full truth of several of these other things guarantee me that. Right? And so it's a little bit like when, you, when a genie says you get three wishes, you can't do the whole though. I ask for infinite wishes. Okay? So I want to maximize my value added here. Which one of these gets me to the bottom of everything else on this list or almost everything else on this list. To me, it's number one or number seven. And the reason why I'm debating is because number seven, the Epstein pit of hell, gets me to the Clinton corruption machine. I don't know, though, that it gets me to the Wu flu COVID stand. Bill Gates. There you go. That's one way of looking at it, yeah. Number one gets me everything else on this list, probably. Well, maybe it does get me everything else on this list, including the Clinton corruption machine, because I would imagine a lot of the same people were involved in all of these various things, right? Yeah. So, and you know what? I'm going to go with number one. Here's the, but there, there's a second reason I'm going to go with number one. I'm having a hard enough time holding my anger back and not acting on it the way that I want to. On COVID stand for the last 29 months. As a father of two daughters, making me join Joaquin Phoenix in the pit of the movie 8mm. Remember that movie from several years ago with Nick Cage? Yeah. When, he, when his daughter gets subjected to a human trafficking, or is it a snuff film ring or something like that, yeah. or someone else's daughter does and he investigates it, I'm having a hard enough time containing my anger. I don't even know how I, I, I... I'm just telling you straight up, guys. Straight up, and I promise you this is true. 
I have fantasies about kicking the chair underneath these people when they're at the gallows. Like I have no, I'm not the guy talking a big game in the dark night at all. I, I mean, I would, I'd hit the switch on like all these people. Like I, I just, I can't, I can't, and maybe that, that, and that may not reflect well on my character. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm open for that debate too, but I, I just promise you, I, I'd have no problem at all issuing the execution order after, a, after a trial, of course, of course. And, 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 and I'd have no problem at all kicking the chair out from underneath them while their heads swung from trees. I mean, I, I just would not guys, I wouldn't, wouldn't hesitate in the least. I wouldn't. And maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe you should want to hesitate, you know, but I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not. And so with that level of anger already bubbling within me at the surface, walking through that pit of hell, I mean, I, I don't even know how I'd react. I don't. And I, I'm not sure I can take it. I'm not sure I can process it just as a human being. So I'm going to go with number one. Next up, Brian Bell says, I've always been interested in your thoughts on foul language. I'm not opposed to it because I think it's just language, but other fellow Christians find it offensive and I just don't. I appreciate your conviction on being real and the way you speak and present things. I feel most Christians are afraid of being authentic and real when it comes to speech and use of quote-unquote offensive language. I think we have to define foul and offensive. I think we have to define crass. And I think you have to understand that the Greek word that Paul uses for trash or rubbish in Philippians, when he says religion is trash or rubbish, actually goes back to the a Greek slang for excrement. I mean, if I walked in and said from a pulpit, "Hey, if you wanna, you wanna reject the circumcision of your heart that Christ offers you, and rely solely on the circumcision." of your foreskin, then just, you know, cut your entire penis off and show me how truly committed you are in your love of, of circumcision. A lot of people would think that was offensive, right? Mm -hmm. Except that's a Bible verse. I, I think we have to, I, I, I think when we get into, I think there are some specific terms and stuff that are pretty obvious because they are degrading in and of themselves. Does that make sense? Yes. They're degrading in and of themselves. When we get beyond degrading to offensive and foul, I think that becomes entirely subjective. And what was, de what was, de I, I, you know, I, I don't know what was offensive and foul in first century Aramaic or first century Greek in a lot of cases. I, I don't know the answer because different culture and different customs. Like to us, we hear a term like, Hypocrite. That was a very actually common vernacular guttural term in the first century. Often was applied to traveling actors within the Greek language. Hypocrites. They were playing a role different from who they really were. So I think, I think to me, 
Does it harm your witness or not? Not as it offensive, not as it foul. Does it harm the character of my witness or not? I think that's probably a better and more holistic approach to these questions. And that's subjective too, but it is subjective with the motivation of not dishonoring my Lord. As opposed to subjective with the motivation of not offending you. That's really not that important. Does that make sense? I mean, oh, yeah. there, are, there are things that we would all agree are objectively degrading. But I mean, I, I've had people say to me, well, I mean, I would never say something I wouldn't say in front of my kids. I mean, I don't know. Brother, I'm, I would imagine your wife would appreciate you saying some things to her in some private settings that you wouldn't say in front of your kids. Know what I mean, G? Mm -hmm. And her and him, you, ladies. That's not a standard. That's what kind of standard is that? That's entirely, that's moralistic. Which isn't inherently bad. But if it gets to the point of it's, it's your actual standard, then you've turned it into an idol. Right? I mean, like most of the time, if you won't say things in public that you wouldn't say in front of your own kids, most of the time, that's a pretty good rule of thumb, right? Sure. But if you make that your every time rule of thumb, you've turned that into an idol, right? Yes. Yeah. And so I think that's, I think the key question we could all ask ourselves more often, and I'm including me very much in this, is does this harm my witness or my calling or my purpose? Would it, would it put undue strain on me fulfilling what I'm called to do? And I need to think of that, frankly, more often than as opposed to what specific words or terms or phrases would you find offensive? More in a moment. Well, I mentioned Patriot Mobile earlier and what was kind of my final straw when our family decided to make the switch. Like I said, we'd been with T-Mobile for about 20 years since we got our first cell phones. And when they started, uh, they announced they're going to start uh, censoring text messages on COVID. That was our tap out. Now, why did we put it off for so long? Same reason that a lot of you do. Oh, it's going to be a big hassle. It wasn't. Their customer service team was spectacular. Well, you know, we're in an odd area. We're going to lose coverage strength. And hey, I mean, there are some places around the country where you're signal is this is better than others obviously but looked at the coverage map and it was pretty much like 97 percent what i was already going to get across the country with t-mobile so that wasn't it either so we just ran out of excuses and we finally decided you know what let's stop directly giving our money to people who hate us if we have the opportunity because you don't get a lot of those these days and living in a modern american society thankfully one place you do is though with a mobile phone, which all of us have to have in a modern American society. Make the switch today to our friends over at Patriot Mobile. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch and you will get even bigger savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. For the rest of us right now, you can get a free activation when you use my name, Steve, as your offer code. Free activation with the offer code Steve when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Once more, that's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Or you can call them at 
Patriot. That's 972 Patriot. All right, let's get back to some Ask Me Anything. Aaron. This is from Julie Ponstein Dixon, who says, Do you think the medical field will get more or less tyrannical? Is it possible for a free thinking, unvaxxed person to go into the medical field? This will end up will end up having to create an alter, and it's already happening. What you're seeing with associations like Dr. Joseph Latipo to RFK Jr. to Peter McCullough to Robert Malone, you're already seeing that um, an alternative healthcare structure will be created in America, just like we have an alternative media structure now. Uh, you will see an alternative healthcare structure, and it's already forming, will form. It's just it, the only part about it that makes it, it not inevitable is if our culture just collapses before that happens. But barring that, it, this is occurring and will manifest itself because it's a necessity. There, there are just simply too many Americans who have learned the last 29 months that cannot trust this system. And the system that has taught them that it has no desire to be trusted by them. It only does it, it. It only desires in being an instrument and tool uh, for the will of the spirit of the age. This next one. Uh, could I answer this before you do? Actually, sure. Okay, Nicole uh, Mooneyham Mitchell says, "My son is a freshman quarterback. Didn't have his best game. Two turnovers, one interception, one fumble after a botched snap that landed him in the end zone. How would you, as a parent, handle that weight he carries as the quarterback? He handles it well, but I hear the whispers. He's also a pitcher, so this isn't super new, but he is different. Nicole, I would say, just tell your son, keep your heads up, head up. You too can play football." quarterback at the University of Iowa someday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think she was <laughs> Wow. Respect. Someone's a little bitter and I dig it. I've been there. I've been I have been in that nihilistic place as a fan. I was just there before the start of last I season that, actually. I thought, was, I thought that was melodrama. I understand now. Yeah, yeah. Um Here's the thing that I would suggest with your kids when they want to compete in anything, whether it's your daughter's ballet recitals or your son playing football now, honesty. Honesty. Well, Steve, my kid already knows he sucks. He played terrible. Do I go out there and tell him that? Well, actually, you take the opposite view now. When you tell him, well, we both know you can play better than that. It's not a... It, it's not trite. It's not meaningless. You've already established you'll be honest with them. Right? So, in general, when things go well, and the best coaches will tell you this, the best mentors will tell you this, the best leaders will tell you this, when things are going well is when you got to take the edge off here a little bit. Yeah, you threw three touchdown passes, kid, but one of them was a bubble screen. Your wide receiver faked one guy out and did the rest of the work himself. The second one was the defender uh, batted the ball up into the air. Your guy caught it and ran it in. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Those are, and this is where, you know, a guy who's the dad of a high caliber, maybe Olympic level of athlete, maybe has something to say about this perhaps. But when, when they think they have it going on and their stuff doesn't stink, that's probably when you need to bring them down a peg or two. And then when they face plant like this, that's probably when they need to be brought up a peg or two, Right. But it, it can't come across as contrived in either scenario. And, and it doesn't when you establish that level of credibility with them, that they know you're going to be honest with them. What are your thoughts? Uh, several. Uh, your well, 
some of it has to do, you're asking as a mom, uh, how you approach this is different than how a dad, in some respects, uh, would handle it. I don't know exactly why you're asking the question uh, yourself. But listen, if you are a quarterback or a pitcher, you know, you you are now a freshman in high school. You're at the you're at the point where these conversations need to be had. You're not just trying out the positions. You're not just happening to be like the the sixth grader who who's just more physically mature and gone into puberty a little early. You know, you're you need to son. Do you want the ball or not? Because the weight you're talking about there, I, I I'm sensing you love your son, your boy, but I, there's there's let's face it. This is this is just a game. Let's let's put whatever that weight is in perspective. Do do you want do this is your choice. Own your choices. Do you want to be the guy or not? You, you, this this young man needs to hear this. If not, there's probably a different position for you that you can have fun playing. But if you want to be the quarterback, if you want to be the pitcher, you, this cannot be a regular concern of yours. There might be a game that goes bad. This one, honestly, you're going to have this kind of game as a quarterback. It happens. Uh, and Steve, I really like Steve's example of like, also, if you, the, the three touchdowns, well, what kind of touchdowns are that, you know, but I would not counsel him. This is not, this should not be a regular psychological session. This is, you're not, he's not a victim. He's just the quarterback. That's it. So you want to be it or not? Because the cor- you're talking, listen, that thing comes, you're choosing bullets to fly at you. That pocket, hike, people are coming to take your head off. That's the gig. You want it or not? I would say my, my serious answer would be uh, flush it. Great game, flush it. Terrible game, flush it. Just move on. Dennis Abernathy says, what are your comments on Jordan Schachtel's tweet commentary that the 9-11 crisis resulted in our COVID mania, etc.? I have not seen what uh, Jordan was saying about this, it's so about I can't really you, comment on it's it. It's about what you'd think. It, I took, it would have taken a lot more time to because it was just a screen capture. Uh, but it's basically like, what, you know, once the Patriot Act came and uh, all manner of people on the right uh, supported it, it, it basically showed that it a it allowed the camel's nose under the tent formally in terms of what our uh fbi cia etc what is allowed to do to us and then b it also it just told the powers that be the deep state etc about us our heart our sense of our liberties uh and he said right right then and there way more formally than any of us would care to think the ball was put into motion I might agree with that to an extent, knowing what we know now. Okay. And I've talked about on the show before. There's a couple of arguments. My libertarian friends have won with me and I've admitted defeat. Things like the Patriot Act are one of them, but, but we have to be careful. I think with asserting this as a universal standard, because then you get, then you become reason magazine. Then you become some technocratic think tank in DC. And I know, I know Jordan doesn't like these where you're pontificating on moral equivalencies that don't exist, right? Like 
in hindsight now, I agree. That's why I've admitted defeat in this argument. I agree that after 9-11, we granted government too much power and demonstrated too little concerns about civil liberties. That did create, as you put it, Todd, the camel's nose under the tent. I agree with that. What I don't agree with, though, is the premise that we therefore um, have to treat every subculture and enclave equally because that's the only way we can avoid repeating those mistakes. No, I don't agree with that. There's, a, there's an ideology and a, and a religious worldview that performed the act of 9-11. And that wasn't an outlier act in the history of that ideology or that religious worldview, but a fairly commonplace in terms of its intent, maybe extraordinary in terms of its um, accomplishment, but it's a day that ends in why since Muhammad crawled out of that cave. It's a day that ends in why for 1,500 years. So I, I reject the idea. If Now, I don't believe that Jordan would say this, knowing his Zionistic background, but a lot of the same people that would make the same point he would, would, would then take this to its most logical or to its next illogical conclusion. I, I, have, I have no problem treating people with demonstrated destructive beliefs with suspicion. I don't have a problem with it. I don't. I don't think all cultures are equal. I don't. I don't have a problem with it at all. It's a terrible idea to import post 9-11 a bunch of people from these cultures and countries as a way of showing we're not racist. I mean, I remember the Secretary of the Army after the Fort Hood Islamic radicalist shooter went on CNN to be concerned that this would hurt their, Islam, their Muslim outreach program. I, I don't believe in any of that kind of stuff. I, don't, I, don't, I think that's, I think if, if, if we're talking about not being so eager to weaponize the machinery of government, okay. When the conversation expands to, and that's why we, 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 we need, we, that's why we got to pull over grandma with her fake hip at the airline so we don't look like racists. No, I'm out. I know Jordan doesn't mean that when he has these conversations, but I do know that a lot of people who do have these conversations, they do mean things like that. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm totally fine treating people with belief systems with suspicion when that belief system has proven it's worthy of being suspicious of. Next, we go to Dustin Lockto, who said, would you call yourself a Christian nationalist? Why or why not? No, because it's a fake term. doesn't mean anything. It's the new religious right. It's the new value voter. It's the new Christian conservative. It's just a rebrand, pejorative, demagogue. It's the new puritanical. Christian nationalist means you're supposed to deny your actual history as an American. Aren't we all Christian nationalists? There's no way. There, there, I mean, there, there's no way... I mean, it's like puritanical. Would there be an America without the, yeah, Puritans? Without the Puritans? Yeah, I mean, the people who settled America originally were Puritans. That's what they were. And so we, the same, that's just, it's it's a demagogic term that means absolutely nothing. Would it, would it, well, what it's, 
what it's meant to disguise is you can't use your faith to take political positions publicly that I disagree with. Now, if a left-wing black church wants to literally endorse Democrat candidates and um, uh, and do a voter drive right there in the church, that's totally kosher and cool. Okay, but that's really what it means. It's it's just a it's just a rebrand of of a, of a familiar tactic. Okay, which is to take people who take the Bible seriously and actually know what American history actually is and aren't ashamed of it, and and divorce you from the public square. It's a it's a red herring. It's demagoguery. Just the latest form of it. Before we get out of here, a reminder about our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com because buying or selling a home, already one of the more stressful things that you can do. And it's 10 times worse when you're not working with the right agent. So generally speaking, homes can become a big investment. Maybe the biggest investment a lot of us will make in our entire lifetimes. That's why we want to make sure we get an agent who will take that process seriously, has a demonstrated track record of success. And at Real Estate Agents I Trust, we do our homework. No one gets listed there that we haven't talked to and vetted directly. That's why we have thousands waiting, thousands of agents around the country waiting to be listed because we don't just automatically take people, full-time professionals with fully vetted track records of success. And a lot of times... They're a part of this audience, so they share your values as well. The process is simple to get started. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com today, provide some basic info, and our team will contact you to make an introduction to a preferred agent in your town or the town that you want to get to. realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm going to do two more rapid fire. Sure, we'll do them rapid fire. Deborah Jerome says, I'm debating getting the shingles vaccine, trying not to be a conspiracy theorist, but could that now be corrupted to get the jab concoction into more people? Two years ago, one of the grocery stores in my hometown ran an, ran uh, a uh, a yard sign in the parking lot advertising the, quote, now new and improved shingles vaccine. So what the hell was the one I was taking before? Maybe that answers your question. Rapid fire. Finally, this is from Kevin Splid, uh, who says, NBC's Chuck Todd, quote, the U.S. will have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. Vice President Harris's response, quote, we have a secure border. What are your thoughts? Uh, the, my thoughts are these people are demonic gaslighters. There is no truth in them. None. There, the, the, there's no truth in them. Without truthless, without truth, just... Romans 1, gaslighting, uh, and as Romans 1 concludes, these are people who delight in creating new, new ways to do evil and encouraging others to do the same. Gentlemen, final thoughts? Got about a minute. What do you think? Well, uh, again, having uh, Ladapo on, Dr. Ladapo on, I, I can't stress enough I, I, because I was coming up against the clock like last time, but a breath of fresh air, the kind of people that governor has around him. I mean, R Donald Trump... All the best people, not so much. Governor DeSantis, he's bringing it over and over again. Yeah, it, because it's, as you pointed out, Todd, it's it's defying, defying the stereotypes, or at least how we are stereotyped on the right, uh, across the board. And it, there are reasons, guys, they're hard to find. Believe me uh, when I tell you this, it's hard to find sometimes, but there are reasons to be a little bit optimistic that more people in positions to do something about it from that spot uh from from the american principles pack that's the playbook going forward just 
just foist that upon them. And then uh, DeSantis's team, there are reasons to be optimistic and you just have to look for them a, a little bit. We're going to stick around and record overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where you'll be able to watch that later today. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.